0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Productivity and Proverbs 31. I'm Kathy Lanham, your host on this side of the mic, and I'm so very glad you're here. I'm super excited because today is another episode where I get to give you a blessing of an incredible young mom who's doing some amazing things and has some very mature insight. She's had to face some serious illnesses with her kids and is going to go through the process of explaining how all of that came to be. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Amber Lanham McIntyre, mom of two, and spoiler, my daughter and mother of two of my precious five grandchildren. So Amber, welcome to the podcast today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's cool to be here. This is fun guys. If you have any concerns about your kids with medical illnesses or trusting your own mom gut or your own heart, I really want you to stay tuned in because Amber's going to be talking about f Pies, food protein induced enterocolitis. Did I say that right, Amber? Yeah. Nice. Good job. Yeah. And so she's going to be taking us through that process and how she figured all the things out. We're hoping that this will be an encouragement and a blessing to you. So grab your pen and paper and you probably want to have a good cup of coffee because there's going to be a lot that we're going to cover hey friends and if we're not friends yet i hope we soon will be i'm kathy lanham host of the productivity and proverbs 31 podcast i'm a wife mom to five and a grandma which is my best role yet i'm a former teacher of the deaf an am pro photographer and a business leader and if you're a Christian need some encouragement and wants to grow in their faith then i hope that you will take the time to stick around because you never know what i'll be teaching on or sharing or who i'll interview over here with life hacks with business tips and tricks and some faith building built in i hope that you'll grab your coffee maybe a pen and a pad of paper as we begin today's episode Amber, again, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. If you have listened to this podcast, if this is your first episode, or if you have binged listened to all of episodes, the voice you're about to hear has been such an integral part of all of that. She's the technical genius behind anything that I've ever tried to do. And she is just amazing. She has been put in a very unique position with her children. And so, Amber, how about if you start and tell us a little bit about yourself and then What is and how in this world did we even get to there?
1: I'm Amber. I'm Kathy's daughter. I've been married to my husband, Robbie, for gosh, almost 11 and a half years now. We have two kids, Kaylee and Elliot, and they are now six and seven. And when they were born, we kind of started down a road we didn't really anticipate. I guess no one really anticipates what kind of journey you're going to be on after you have kids, Um, and it's different for everybody. But for us, it started when my daughter Kaylee was born. We were leaving the hospital, and I just remember feeling like I was doing something wrong already. Um, My daughter cried from the minute she was born to the minute we left, I was breastfeeding at the time. It wasn't going super well. It was really painful. Looking back on it now, we I'll, I'll get to this a little bit down the road, but we found out that she had a tongue tie. We found out she had some serious food allergies, but I remember we were leaving and the nurses are giving us the car seat to put in the car and the baby and she will not stop screaming, has not stopped screaming. We didn't get any sleep. The nurses didn't get any sleep and no one else's baby was crying like this. So I'm feeling like I am leaving with this child and I don't know how to help her or calm her down or feed her well, or do any of the things I'm supposed to do. Why are you letting me leave? So when we had our first like pediatrician follow-up visit we went in and it was a new doctor of course we're new to all this so we're trying to fill out all the paperwork forms and i've got this kid that won't stop screaming we get in there and the doctor came in and he was like well why don't you try some of these gas x drops maybe this will help And I'm like, I really think something is wrong. Like, I don't know if she's not getting enough milk. I don't know if we need to try formula. I don't know what to do, but I don't, I don't think this is right. And he was like, oh, you know, you're a new mom. It's all babies cry like this. It's normal for them to be really upset. So fast forward like a few weeks later, and we went to a lactation consultant that was part of my OBGYNs practice. And she was amazing. She was very calm and very kind. And as soon as she looked at Kaylee, she was like, well, did anyone tell you about her tongue tie when you were at the hospital? And I was like, no,
0: what is that? Okay. She was I like, was cool. say. And so for those people who may not know, or who may be in the same situation, what is a tongue tie?
1: Basically, it's when your tongue doesn't lift all the way to the roof of your mouth, like it should. It's basically tied down to the, to the bottom of your mouth. And for babies, especially when you're breastfeeding, that prevents them from making the shape with their tongue that they're supposed to to be able to get enough milk. So A, it's very painful for the mom when you're breastfeeding, cause it's not the right shape. And this is a little graphic, but their tongue just kind of like hits the end of, of your breast and it's rubs it raw and it's super painful. But for the baby, they don't get enough to eat either. So basically when we went in to see this consultant, she weighed Kaylee first, then she had me feed her. And then she weighed her again to be able to tell how many ounces Kaylee took in. And it was like less than an ounce that she was getting every time I was trying to breastfeed. She was like, okay, I think we have one massive problem. And that is that she's not getting enough milk and it's not anything anybody's doing wrong. It's just somebody should have caught this at the hospital and no one did. So she gave us some recommendations for some doctors that could do a laser tongue tie they would cut the tie so that the tongue would move freely. And then there's also doctors that do it with scissors. Either way is fine. It doesn't really hurt that bad, but it really frees up their range of motion and it allows them to be able to eat. So that was kind of the first discovery that we found was like, okay, we need to fix this problem and move on to the, to the next steps here. And then maybe once we get that done, she'll be getting enough to eat and things will be great. And everything would go back to normal. Spoiler alert: They did not. (laughs) She she did get the tongue tie fixed. That was its own arduous process that took several visits to the doctor, and it was a little traumatic for all of us. But we got that
0: part fixed. And let me let me interrupt you just for a second. It's normally not a traumatic process. It's normally
1: not. No. But
0: the next part that's coming is why yours was more arduous than the normal.
1: Right. So we found out we ended up doing the laser tongue tie for anectomy. When we ended up getting the laser version of that done, they told us to do some stretching exercises and to rub coconut oil into her mouth under her tongue to keep it loosened up. So it wouldn't form a scar and go back. Like it was like heel back tied. So we were doing this five times a day. We were waking her up in the night to do it. And meanwhile, this whole time she's having these terrible blowout diapers it was like yellow, it smelled so foul, like vinegar. It was always like this really watery, yellow, mucusy poop. And we came to find out later by going back to the same lactation consultant who was the most wonderful part of this journey for us. Cause we, we had been going to the doctor, like, hey, I think something's wrong. And they were like, nah, it's probably fine. She'll outgrow it. Babies are sensitive, you know, whatever. I think the best advice we got from the doctor was maybe it's milk. Maybe you should just cut out milk. We went to this lactation consultant again. She asked about the tongue tie, asked what we had been doing and she mentioned just kind of off the cuff like yeah i helped a mom one time and her baby had a mustard allergy and we couldn't figure out why the baby was so sick he had these like really liquidy yellow poops and he wasn't getting better and he screamed all the time it turns out he was allergic to mustard and the mom put mustard on everything she cut mustard out of her diet and then the baby was great and i was like hmm okay this other doctor has mentioned maybe we should cut out milk why don't we do that so we cut out milk and it made a little improvement but not much then we tried cutting out wheat And it made a much better improvement, but still a lot of screaming, a lot of pain. She was throwing up a lot, not just like baby reflux, but like projectile vomiting across the room. And somewhere in this process, somebody mentioned, why don't you just do an elimination diet and cut out everything except maybe like a handful of foods. And then you can add foods back in one at a time and see what it is that's triggering it instead of going the other way around. This was like revolutionary to me. I was freaking out, like, how the heck am I going to only eat five foods? Well, maybe we could do it for a few days. We did it. And I saw a ton of improvement really, really fast. And we came to find out that tons of foods were triggering her. It was wheat and dairy and nuts and soy. And I don't even remember now what all the foods were. There was like cauliflower and apples and pears. And it was so many foods. So when we started realizing okay we've eliminated all this stuff and every food we add back in is still making her very sick we were referred over to two different doctors to a gastroenterologist and to an allergist allergist i think was the first referral we got they wanted to check and make sure she didn't have any kind of ige allergies so they did some skin prick testing and that's the doctor that came back in and he's a very smart doctor he came back in and he said i think that your baby has something called FPIs, and there are not a lot of documentation about it. There's not a lot of literature. Uh, when you leave here, I'm gonna give you a stack of medical journal articles that tell everything we know about FPIs right now, which, spoiler alert, is not a lot. And probably when you leave here and read these articles, you will know as much about FPIs as I do. So, good luck. Oh, and by the way, you might want to watch out when you start introducing solid foods to her. That's when F-Pies gets really serious. It's all in the articles. Good luck. Have a good day.
0: And so how discouraging was that to hear as a young mom? Oh, here it is. Read this. You'll know as much as me. Good luck.
1: It was both incredibly defeating, but also a little validating to know I am not as crazy as I thought I was. Maybe something is really wrong. But then also, yeah, like where the heck do we go from here? I don't know. And apparently neither does this expert that they've sent us to. So what now? Thankfully, though, he did refer us to a gastroenterologist. When you have a kid that's diagnosed with f there are several different kinds of doctors that can help manage FPIES itself. Some people see an allergist. Some people see a gastroenterologist. Some people see both. Some people just have a really great pediatrician. I'll, I'll say that first and then I'll back up and I'll kind of explain what FPIES is and what I found out when I looked at the articles that he gave us. FPI stands for food protein-induced enterocolitis syndrome, F-P-I-E-S. That is a huge mouthful of a word, but basically what it looks like in kids, or at least for my kids, it makes their bodies react to food like you would react to a virus. Their immune system is trigger happy, their gut is underdeveloped, and there's a whole immune pathway connection between your immune system and your gut. So if your gut is out of balance and out of line, your immune system most likely is not gonna function like it should. For my kids with F-Pi's, is basically a genetic condition They don't really know how it's passed on just from the Facebook groups I've been in and the crowdsourced info that I've seen from other moms, which most of that information kind of points to the mom having some sort of autoimmune condition is a really big factor. A lot of moms with autoimmune diseases or autoimmune conditions have kids that are more likely to have F-Pies or some kind of like food allergy because their gut is messed up.
0: To interrupt you there, did you have any idea, because you were just fine, did you have any idea that Oh, this could be from me.
1: Not yet. I did later on, but at this time I had... I had seen a doctor probably two years before I got pregnant. I had this rash on my legs that I could not get rid of. I had had it since high school and I just couldn't get rid of it. Started thinking maybe this is from wheat. This was like right at the beginning of people even hearing about being gluten-free and what that meant. So I went and got a blood test actually to see if I had celiac disease. The blood test came back negative and the doctor was like, you're good. You don't have celiac. This test is 95% accurate. We're not even going to do a scope. You're fine. Go eat weed if you want to or avoid it if it hurts your belly. So I had kind of been avoiding it. But when I got pregnant, that's all I craved. I really want a pizza. I really want bread. And I started eating it and I felt fine. I didn't feel like I had felt before. So I actually felt better. So I thought, well, I guess maybe I didn't really have gluten issues after all, or maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. And I started eating whatever. I found out many years later that when you're pregnant, your immune system is suppressed. So it was probably destroying me from the inside out because, spoiler alert, I did in fact have celiac or at least pre-celiac disease at the time. And I just wasn't feeling the side effects of it. So I had been eating wheat the whole time I was pregnant with Kaylee and I felt fine. And then it wasn't until she started having symptoms when I was breastfeeding that I cut it back out again. And that was actually the last time I've really had wheat on my own on purpose. So probably yes, but I didn't know that then. Hindsight's twenty twenty.
0: Wish I had. So we've already said the incessant crying, the the tummy aches, blowout diapers. What other symptoms did you see? Because you actually got down to elemental formula. We don't have time to get all into that, but you had quite the path of research. For, and you have, you ended up having two children with it. So let's say we have a mom out here that's like, oh my gosh, this is us. What does it look yeah. like?
1: I have a theory that a lot of babies that used to be diagnosed just with colic might actually have had something similar to F-Pies, either food allergies or something like that. For us, for Kaylee, it looked like a baby that cried all the time. Her stomach always hurt. She would have like projectile vomiting, but it only happened like four-ish hours after she would eat. So it made it really hard to track what food she had that was making her sick because it wasn't until the food hit her digestive system, or intestines, that she started having a reaction. It wasn't like peanut allergy where it's an IgE allergy and like five minutes or 15 seconds after you've eaten it, you start swelling up and you get hives. It wasn't like that. It was like this really delayed reaction with a lot of vomiting, a lot of diarrhea, Um, Her butt would get blisters on it and it just looked like she like had been burned with acid basically is what her butt looked like. It was terrible. It was painful for her to sit down. She would scream all the time. The blowout diapers was the worst. I mean, every baby has blowout diapers, but f Pie's diapers have a smell (laughs) that I can only describe as like a soured vinegar smell. Even now I can tell if my kids are having a reaction if they've gone to the bathroom and I walk by and I smell it and I'm like, whoa, somebody had something they shouldn't have had. In the last four hours. And that's really kind of how we started pinpointing, okay, these are, we call them reaction poops. This this is from a reaction right here. And there were times where we would be at like, Babies R Us or Walmart, and she would have a reaction and it would be this blowout. We would just take all of her clothes off and throw them away and go in and buy new clothes. That happened like three or four times. So that was with Kaylee. With Elliot, my son, when we found out he was having reactions, his looked a little different. His was not as much vomiting four hours after he ate or diarrhea four hours. He would get hives. He would get the really bad diarrhea still, and he would get really gassy really colicky, really crying, that kind of stuff. That's what it looked like when they were small and when they were breastfeeding. As they got older and they started solid foods, the number one telltale sign of F-Pies is if you have a child that starts vomiting and they don't stop. They go into what's called hypervolemic shock, which is where they turn gray. They get dehydrated really fast. It happens really quickly for kids that small. It's easy for them to get dehydrated. With a normal stomach bug, you throw up like two, three times, whatever, you have a break. Then you throw up a few more times maybe, and then it passes. With f once they start throwing up, their body is like, we got to get rid of this. And they don't stop throwing up until either the food is all gone or they they pass out. And we saw that a few times with Kaylee. That was the scariest thing is just knowing when do we go to the ER because that is an emergency situation. When do we try to ride this out at home? If you're in a spot with a kid who is throwing up, having diarrhea a lot, and you're like, it's so bad that you think we need to go to the hospital and the hospital is like, ah, it's probably a virus but it's happening more than one or two times and you can start looking for like, okay, what foods have they eaten? Is it chicken? That's a really common f Pies trigger food is chicken. Is it sweet potato? Is it bananas? Is it peas? All of those are common f pies trigger foods. Milk is a really big one. Wheat is a big one and soy is a big one. Soy was Kaylee's biggest one. It's kind of what it looks like for different stages and it looks different for different kids and it looks different. I mean, the the window for a reaction time can be two hours. It can be four hours. It can be six hours, but your child, if they have f will usually start to have a pattern. That's about how it will happen, or it should happen every time if they're having a reaction. So it's something to bring up to your doctor and more doctors are becoming aware of it. It's not, this was seven years ago that Kaylee was diagnosed. So it's not like it used to be then when there was like two case studies out of Japan and that was it. Now doctors in the U.S. see this pretty frequently and they more comfortable to diagnose it, not just and
0: dismiss it. Do it kids to- always grow out of f sometimes grow out of f or never grow out of F-Pi's?
1: is, I think probably the most frustrating part of f is that like 95% of this stupid disease is like, it depends. It depends on the kid. It depends on their body ideally most kids outgrow f by somewhere around five to seven years old there are a few different medical journal studies where they've done that they've kind of pinpointed there's different age ranges for different types of foods so usually soy takes the longest to outgrow those kids can be seven to nine years old before they outgrow a soy allergy dairy is usually one of the quicker ones it's usually like 12 months to maybe three years old Wheat is somewhere kind of in the middle. And then there's a whole host of other foods. It's, it's honestly just kind of random. I think the best theory that they have right now is that the child's gut, their digestive system and all that develops on its own somewhere between five to seven years old. So when your child's gut has fully matured on its own, and it's not just relying on whatever faulty stuff has been passed on or whatever they were born with that wasn't quite set up right, that's when they usually start to outgrow stuff. But again, not always. There's some kids that are older that have F still. And then there's some people that get diagnosed with F as adults that didn't have it as kids. That's the most compounding and random thing ever. Some adults come up with random shellfish allergies after being able to eat shellfish their entire lives. And then one day they, it just starts making them vomit and they can't stop. And
0: it turns out it's F pies. In the sake of time, I'm going to give the best resource because you have taken and compiled and done an incredible job of creating a resource for moms to read, to to get more information and to check out and that would be the incredible website blog that you have you want to let people know where they can touch base with you in and just read more on their own if they're interested or if they think this might be something that they need to chat with their doctor about where would they find that
1: yes yeah, so i started a blog website just to help other moms like me who maybe weren't getting a lot of help from their doctors it's called f F-Pies, f-p-i-e-s roadmap r-o-a-d-m-a-p .com
0: there's also if i'm not mistaken a a good contingency of facebook groups
1: there are a lot of facebook groups actually that were super helpful for us finding other moms who had kids with f that's where we got a lot of our answers initially and in, not from doctors but really from other moms who had lived through this who knew This is what you're looking for when your kid does this. This is when you need to call 911. It's probably good to stay home for this scenario and that kind of stuff. So if you go on Facebook, just search in the group section for F-P-I-E-S, you'll usually be able to find quite a few. The biggest one I think is just called F-P-I-E-S and then in parentheses is just food protein induced enterocolitis syndrome.
0: There you go. From your expertise that you compiled and the Facebook groups, that's where the website came from. And it's F as in Frank. P is in Paul, I is in igloo, E is an elephant, S as in Sam, F Pies Roadmap, like a map at the road. So Fpiesroadmap.com. And there's some great articles there, some blog posts, um, information on formulas and how to find the best formula that Amber takes you, takes you down. So I want to encourage you that there is help and there is hope out there. Now Amber, just catch us up here at the end. Give us the where are you today? So we've got Kaylee who's seven, Elliot who's six. And what is their current situation? Their
1: current situation is actually something that I would not have even been able to dream of when they were small. And that is that for the most part, they have outgrown almost all of their allergy trigger foods. Kaylee still can't do wheat. Elliot still has trouble with wheat off and on, and Kaylee can't do soy. Other than that, they eat food like normal kids, which is amazing two, three years into this one. Elia's only safe food was beef and ice cubes. I would not have imagined that we would ever see this day, but the Lord is very gracious.
0: Yes. And what a blessing that you go from a first birthday party where you can't do a cake and you use all these really exotic flowers. Amazon is your best friend to having the blessing of the Lord that you're at the point that it is more than ice cubes and beef. It is a full range of foods. So what an incredible thing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know there's just so much more we could, could talk about just with this one aspect, but I think that you have done a fabulous job with your blog encapsulating and going different directions and giving information. So I'm excited to direct people there. Guys, I just want to encourage you, trust your mom gut and your heart. If you don't feel like you're getting the answers that you need for from your pediatrician, even if you're a young mom, trust that, ask the questions, and get the help you need. Be the advocate for your kids. And Amber, would you want to add anything else? I think I'm good. All right. Thank well, you. guys, thank you so much for coming and taking part of your day to listen to this. I hope it's been a blessing to you. That's always our prayer. And you know what? When you go be a blessing to others, you can't help but be blessed yourself. Until next time, this is Kathy. Take care.